stars from coast to coast. We give you a toast as you join us here on Rotten Radio on the Real Presence Network. I'm your host, Joe Rutten, director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute at Mount Marty University in Yankton, South Dakota. And I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Rutten. I'm Father John Rutten, pastor of St. John Paul II in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And I'm Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And together we are Rutten Radio. Hey, we did it. I, we are on, baby. This is going to be a great show. Well, of course. After the movie we just watched, how could it not turn out to be? Uncle Buck, baby. Oh, this is great. Oh, did I? Oh, we got to wait. Well, I can't, you know, it can't be perfect. Somebody has to screw the script up, right? <laughs> so how are we doing, fellas? Doing great. I uh, was just saying earlier that I'm waking up at like four o'clock in the morning these days or four thirty in what? the morning these days. Yeah. Do and you have a temperature? Are you feeling good? Did you get COVID? <laughs> no. Well, when you go to bed at ten o'clock, then you wake up at four thirty. I don't you know. Do. I'm just waking up and I'm just so then you get out, I'm you know, lay in bed, lay in bed, and then finally I'm like, why don't I just get up and like start the day? Uh but then now as I've done this a few times, I realize, well then by the t- you know afternoon time, you've lived half a day. You've lived you've lived like your day already, you know, and yet you still have the whole thing coming up. Anyway, so that's kind of where I'm at. You get more done is. before nine o'clock. It's the best. The it the is the best. I love it. It's I think a secret. Yeah, it's partly why I like to get out of bed is because then I just you know you can get two hours of really good work done and you haven't even. I could it. borrow you a few of my kids and. I could do that. <laughs> well, speaking of the movie, <laughs> Father Paul, how you doing? Well, living the dream. We had First Communion at St. Mary, and it went well. It's always good for those little kiddos to receive First Communion, for everyone to watch and witness. Uh, first yeah. Communion. Yeah, well, one of the little it, yeah. girls, she said, when her mom asked how it was, she said, it tasted like everything. <laughs> it mm. tasted like everything. Yeah. Mm. So. My boys running around saying it tastes like cardboard. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, we had one of those too. He he was telling everybody it tastes like cardboard. So yeah, well that's my boy. He's jacked up though. He likes it. You know, he's he's big in his faith. Really likes it. And uh, I got some great first communion gifts. I got like the greatest. I've been really on to. I've been doing some really good things lately. I'm excited about. So I'll tell you about my first communion gift here in a little bit. Okay. We'll get to that. So. If you want to interact with us out there for our listeners, this is Rutten Radio, and you are following us on the Real Presence Network across the Midwest region, a five-state region here. Uh, but you can interact with us on Rutten Radio on the Facebook uh, page. is really the easiest way to do it. It's where we're most attentive and present. Um, so if you want to do that. Otherwise, we have our podcast app that you can follow as well and listen to us at your leisure. Uh, when it works for you and your it car. It is so awesome to have the podcast app because I've twice now just told people, oh, just look it up. And right. they're like, oh, okay. And I don't have to send them links and I don't have to send them directions right. of where to go. And uh, the other day someone was saying, actually out at O'Gorman, they said some pilot was in Sioux Falls or whatever and heard heard, heard me. And then he goes and clicks on, you know, and then they can follow. And it's just like easy. Wow. So the podcast, good work, Paul, Father Paul. That was... Uh, Wise choice to simplify our uh, distribution network. And thank you, Father John, for doing all the work to get it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I love doing that. I just could have never got it started. Oh, man. We all have our gifts. Yes. That is Joe, for sure. 
You oh, get us oh, excited to start. Oh, That's oh, what oh. your gift yeah. is. And how yeah, about I you? Just fired uh, up. Yeah. Oh my! What are I'm we doing great. Next? I'm great. I. What have I been up to? A lot of things. School's winding down, and it can't come soon enough. Um, the best part of education is that it's um, seasonal or transitional. You get to start over every year. It's a new mm. year. And there's not a lot of professions that just get to like cut ties and do it again. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, teachers work hard and. By the end of it, we're tired. <laughs> you know, we need a break. And it's been a great semester, a great year for us. We're lucky with COVID and all that. We're very grateful, but I'm looking forward to a little break. So, but other than that, doing great. Weather's great. And uh, ready to talk about Uncle. Bob. Well, our movie of the month <laughs> Uncle Buck. <laughs> I love it. What a great block! Uh, what a great movie, Father Paul. Could you set the context? Sure. Uh, it's uh, as an idle, good-natured bachelor, Uncle Buck is the last person you would think of to watch the kids. However, during a family crisis, he's suddenly left in charge of his nephew and nieces. Unaccustomed to suburban life, fun-loving Uncle Buck soon charms his younger relatives, Miles and Maisie, with his hefty cooking and his new way of doing the laundry. His carefree style does not impress everyone, though, especially his rebellious teenage niece, Tia, and his impatient girlfriend, Shanice. With a little bit of luck and a lot of love, Uncle Buck manages to surprise everyone in this heartwarming family comedy. Outstanding. That's a nice little intro there, Father Paul. Did you You're welcome. You stole it from <laughs> uh, someone sad. else. Father John, do we need any uh, warnings from the... Presbyteral side that we should say, you know, it's a it's a what nineteen nineties PG movie, so uh, in that realm. But there's some language in it, and there's a couple of scenes with some innuendo uh, circumstances that, depending on the age of your kids, you got to watch it and determine right. when when they'll get what. Uh, but um, and in general, it's kind of a family movie for a certain age. Outstanding uh, initial comments or thoughts when you you know you. Get done watching, you're like, hmm. What'd you think, Father Paul? Uh, what did I think? Uh, you know, it was made in 1989, and uh, it seemed like ages ago. I couldn't believe, you know, even just the the quality, like even just the quality of the movie itself, um, and just how life changes, how households run, uh, clothing, hairstyles, um, all of those things. But it was just, it was just good to laugh, you know. Now John you- Candy just. He's just one of those people. One of a kind, isn't yeah. he? Uh, and the, the styles are coming back. Some of them, yes. <laughs> Which I don't know is a good thing, but I'm like, oh, man, we're old. Yeah. It was 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait a minute here. Seemed like yesterday. I was like, oh, yeah, I watched that when I was, oh, when I was Yeah, like when you were a student 12. at the cathedral. <laughs> yeah, when I was 12. <laughs> Which... Now that I think about it, maybe I didn't pass the anyway. Um, but it was good. I the, the 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 just common humor, right? It's just a family dynamic uh humor. And it was in like a certain framework that was very common at the time where you have the rebellious daughter that, you know, mm-hmm. resents the mom and there's a outlying family member, you know, kind of a, like the Chevy Chase Christmas vacation type of a mm-hmm. movie, you know. Um, and then, of course, there is Macaulay Culkin. It might have been his one of his first. It, it, he certainly did it before 
Home Alone. The Home Alone series, I'm I'm almost certain. But very much even played like the same type of a role, right? Yeah, it was the same character. Uh, it was very interesting mm-hmm. there. So, Father John, what'd you think? Yeah, I just thought it was a funny movie. Two dynamics of that humor struck me as I kept asking myself, why is this funny? You know, I, I it's been a while, I think, since I've laughed that hard at a movie that I can recall off the top of my head. So I was like, why why was that funny? Why am I laughing right now? Uh and and so the real kind of question behind what makes something humorous and where does humor originate from? You don't find a lot of comedies anymore. Kids, you know, these kinds of movies aren't the normal thing anymore. You don't have the, uh, you know, pet detective and um, all of those as often. Uh, and then also just the fact of laughing. I just would, I mean, I was belly laughing. And I really? kept thinking, oh yeah, I kept thinking I needed this. Comedy isn't like my first choice in entertainment. And so, uh, you know, usually I have a drama, dramas or, or documentaries. So I was laughing pretty hard <laughs> all by myself in the rectory. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt like maybe I was in Noonan's basement again. Just <laughs> Noonan. <laughs> Snickers and a Coca-Cola to Totino's Pizza and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, childhood. It was, it, you know, even like the end, I just thought about like the end where <laughs> everything's finally good. And then he's holding on to the rack of pots and he <laughs> it down. It's like, of course yep. he does, right? Because yep. oh, yeah. it's Uncle Buck. Um, taking a deeper dive, kind of insights or thoughts. Um, Father Paul, you had, you had mentioned something kind of about uh, the way the eyes tell the story. What do you what Yeah, do you I, I guess I just thought they did a really good job of like capturing the way you can say so much without saying anything. Like just the teenage girl, like she'd just look at people and you could tell like all of what she was thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, there were the moments also though, where there was like that endearing all of a sudden, like being really looked at uh, and, and the eyes really told it, um, you know, and a couple of times Buck would, would, would connect eyes with a guy that uh, wasn't a good guy, and he'd give him the look like, don't mess with me. Uh, so I just was, it was just one of those things I noticed, I, and maybe I noticed it the first time, but I really picked up on it. It was pretty obvious, I think, that they were trying to do that from a cinematographic way. And, and they really, yeah, I think you're right, even sometimes like they'd pan in. On right, the right. Shot, yeah, I mean, right. it was like and really yeah, in yeah, right yeah. there. Or, or when Buck's sitting at the doorway of the bedroom with the the drill, the, <laughs> yeah. drill the, the thing, yeah. with, you know. And yeah. It's, yeah. Well, they're uh, at that dinner table. The mom and daughter are at that dinner table, <laughs> and it's like this stare down, right, you know, right. on the opposite side. And I thought, I thought, I thought, this mother is like a professional woman. She's moved her whole family or whatever. <laughs> and all I can think of is this teenage girl as you shaking in your boots right now. <laughs> <laughs> she owns you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I almost got the sense like she was a stepmother even. At first, yeah, that's like I just thought. that the relationship and the lack of confidence in being a mother. Yeah. Right. Like it was very, you know, all the Chinese food boxes in the garbage. And then it looks like she made all the food and, yeah. you know. Yeah, and Tia knows exactly what to say. <laughs> yeah. But but isn't that kind of how it was? Or or they portray it like when your own child calls you by your first name. Right. Oh, yeah. Like the disrespect. Right, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Like uh, only, I shouldn't say like only, but as a teenage girl has the capacity. <laughs> right. Yeah, there was that dynamic. Right. I mean, this is the way... 
Like what we were watching, what's there is what happens. I mean, not every family is exactly the same, but, but yep. That's what happens. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, cause there was uh, at, uh, at Easter. Yeah. It was Easter at your house. Uh, I, I was sort of poking one of our nieces cause she was apparently wanting to go to a, a bonfire. So I invited myself to go with. <laughs> oh, really? And then Pat invited himself to come with too. And we said we would really bring great conversation to the bonfire. Uh, and she was not at all amused by any of it. And it was very evident. Yeah. So we just kept inviting ourselves more and more and more and more. And it was really hard because I think she, she felt, well, I, I can't say what I really want to say because it's, they're my uncles. Uh, um, but I'm sure if it would have been someone else, something else might have. But yeah. so it was quite humorous to watch. <laughs> Uncle Buck I, in his car. I mean, it very much is in the, now that I think of it, the the Christmas vacation type of a deal. Oh, yeah. Where, um, and, and Uncle Buck. And John Candy, is he, he dead? Yep, died. Yep. One of the many. Right, right, right. Other <laughs> thoughts. The tension of the movie was, was evident throughout, and it existed like right up to the end. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was constant, and it was in a multitude of different ways. Where I think it allowed everybody to find their place within the movie. Yep. Um, and for <laughs> for me as a parent, like I'm immediate. Well, two things. Number one, I'm very much the husband, where I just want peacemaking. Oh, like, sure. Let's just all get along here. Is that all right? right. Can we, do Can this, we just? You know? But then I'm also like the mother and how I'm raising my kids um, because I'm on the first one. He's eight years old and I don't know how you do this. They didn't give you, they don't give you a book. You just kind of think, well, like, am I supposed to be really stern right now? Or like, am I supposed to hold my ground? Like, I'm not going to be a walkover. Like I said, eight o'clock. And then you're just like, and so the other night uh, it turned into just a show. It was atrocious, and it, I'm not sure if it was like parent the greatest parenting failure I've had yet as as a parent, or if it was a success. But uh, I'll see how this whole thing pans out. But my my kid not once went to bed crying, but woke up and then went to bed twice crying. <laughs> like I couldn't get it right the first time, I didn't get it right the second time, and finally I just said, "Just go to bed. <laughs> just go to bed." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I felt like the mom. I was like, oh man, how do you do this? What's this? Yeah, gonna yeah be looking like? across the table with the giant. He's in like trying to do it right and like providing. And then you have the one comment back. You're like, come on. Right. And yeah. then you've got the other well, two I, following. Oh. Yeah. And then Tia's comment about, well, if I would have moved my whole family across the country, oh. I'd have a heart attack too. <laughs> I'm like, ouch. Like, you know, she feels bad enough already that she moved away and then her dad has a heart attack and, and her daughter just like pushes yeah. the knife slowly yeah. in, twists it a little bit. Yeah, and it's not as if she doesn't love her or care for her. She probably, you know, you never know the whole reasons behind it all. Right. The daughter's just being that age. <laughs> so <laughs> so what set Leo off was, um, so I played with him for two hours, and it just like nothing was enough, but I did battleship with him, and then we got to do other things, right? Nope. Like, Leo wants attention, so I give him attention, and two and a half hours later, well, I'm trying to get him to bed, and there was something where I just laughed. But when I'm nervous or when I'm stressed or when I'm like yeah. over it, I laugh. Yeah. 
not good. Leo comes <laughs> storming back in the room, and, and then you laughed when I... I'm like, oh. And then my wife just looks over me like, see, I told you. Stop laughing. Because <laughs> right? like, I laugh. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I, anyway, yeah, I'm I the think mother. it's a rotten trade. I sometimes laugh at people, and then I get these looks, speaking about looks and using the eyes, and I don't know how to communicate to them that <laughs> what they think I'm reacting to is just my inability to, like, yeah. respond appropriately and it's just all that anxious energy just laughter or something's kind of funny that is different <laughs> yeah and be, right there at that That's and then you go is. to explain it and it, but you can't because then you're just gonna laugh yes more. it makes it worse yeah <laughs> i just Bob, have to Bob, trust you have the this, people uh, tendency of oh yeah i'm sure i do um yeah <sighs> I, I think well for me i guess i would say i just use sarcasm and i realize that not everybody likes sarcasm yeah, not a sign of a yeah, at least though that that can be understood. <laughs> when you're sarcastic, people either get it or they don't get well, it. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. Well, one of the things I noticed was, uh, oftentimes in life, the person that you really need isn't the one you ex- you're expecting it from, or what you really need comes from someone you don't plan it to come from. Buck is the last person. Uncle Buck is not who they wanted to come and to be. Right to their savior. And in the end, he really brings them something they all needed. Yep. And this happens. This isn't just a story about that, but in real life, we can see times in our life where someone comes in and they really bring you something that you don't, you wouldn't have expected before. And I think about the gift of just being in our family and how many of the siblings or mom siblings or different people came into our lives and they maybe came in because they needed something or mom and dad maybe thought that they were helping people with something. But in the end, they really brought us something, an awareness, a gift of who they are and a way to look differently at life. Uh, and in so many ways, I think about Aunt Annie and the huge blessing that Aunt Annie has been because she doesn't have uh, a need to be at a stable place and she can kind of just move as the spirit moves her. And she just kind of whirls in and your whole life opens up. And there's books that I've read because of Aunt Annie that I never would have read before. And there's, you know, I can't really think about butter without thinking about Aunt Annie (laughs) and her faith. I mean, she is so dedicated and committed to faith and how she lives in a community. She always would walk down to the library or she'd walk to the grocery store. She just walks everywhere. Yeah, walks everywhere. She lives in a way, in a place that I'm like, that's beautiful. And so- there, but you don't know you need those things when people come into your life like that. But they often bring stuff that you need, and right. I think Uncle Buck, who who would imagine, you know, the mom would never imagine that you're actually going to help me have a relationship with my daughter, right? And do we have the ability in our own lives to see that God can use things to bring about what we're really looking for in a way different than we think? Or do we hold to our own ideas in a way in which we kind of try and to like push through life to solve our problems instead of receive life? If we just receive what happens, the way in which God makes it happen, and then we pay attention to where it is he's using things to solve the needs that we have of our heart or of our family, of our work or uh, things in general. Yeah. So just uh, one quick thing. And Annie is the sole remaining of mothers, moms, 14 brothers and sisters. Um, and she's lived with us a couple of times. She's been at, you know what I mean? So just Mm -hmm. for those out there listening, our aunt, you know, this is somebody that's at different times in our lives over the past 40, 50 years come in and out 
and been really present living with us or, you know, just visiting. But yeah, she, it is interesting how people come and go, especially when you're a Donnelly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the gift that you bring, right? Yeah. It's not always like the, the, the smooth edge mm-hmm. entry, right? Sometimes the entry could be even a plane crash. Yeah, because oftentimes <laughs> Aunt Annie was there to care for somebody. Right. Mom wasn't well or somebody was or dad d- dying well. or dad wasn't well. I mean, Aunt Annie oftentimes came sacrificially when there was a need. Right. But the things she gave were different, were even in abundance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's hard because even there, like thinking about how mom and dad raised us, are, you know, it was an open home, right? All the people that we had. So like... Uh, they're protecting their home and they don't want Uncle Buck to come in and be the one to take care of their children. Um, and, but, you know, I think, well, that's not really how we lived. Like we lived almost a little bit of the opposite where it was like uh, mom and dad, everything was an open door, especially for the broken to come into mm-hmm. our family. And that our home was a place where the broken could in a sense be healed themselves, but in, they also brought their own gift of healing uh, you know, as you mentioned, John, if we were w- ready and willing to receive, that we might be receive, we might be able to be given the gift instead of what we were giving in our home. They were giving to us, and Uncle Buck brings that. Right? He ends up in the end being the gift to the family, um, not because he's able to take care of the kids for a week, but because of what he brought to them as his person. Yeah, and right. what he but- really brought was maturity. Well, yeah, but but he also then was forced, you know, so he needed them because it really was this scenario that put him then in the position where he had to make that choice. You know, when he's in the car and he's going to go to the racetrack. Oh, yeah. uh, And he's got the two kids Mm -hmm. and he has to make this decision. Do I go to the racetrack or do I go find Tia? Um, And it's that moment that he finally has to sacrifice because he loves Tia more than himself. Um, and there was a real financial thing, like he needed the money. Um, but in that moment of choosing, everything began to change for him too, where he wouldn't have had that because he had never been responsible for someone else. Mm-hmm. Like that was his problem throughout all of it. Um, but, but, but even in his immaturity and irresponsibility, he still has that great heart, right? He still desires to be attentive and to be helpful. He just isn't very good at doing it so yeah uh as we kind of wind down here the first half hour of Rut and Radio. So fast. i know i know well we got plenty of time keep moving we're, we're not just right, about right, done right so i think there's a little discrepancy on, <laughs> on what we have um <laughs> just, just so. keep talking <laughs> okay uh, so for the <laughs> listeners out there, let we just to be honest here, right? So at 27 minutes is the show, and so we have four minutes remaining. Yeah, which is a lot of time. A lot of time. <laughs> we fill it instead of talking about it. Well, <laughs> Paul, more about Uncle Buck. I want to hear it. <laughs> Paul was giving us like the we're, our time's crunched look here, and we were like, uh-oh, what are we doing? Right. right? There's so about. much. Uh-huh. There's so much. Jump in. What's next? <laughs> no, uh, again, I mean, this this real reality that you can look at Buck and you can ask the question, why is he stuck this way? Like, what happened? You know, and he hmm. did say it. At some point he said, I wish I had someone who cared enough about me to have stepped into my life. Right. And so you can see that there must have been some moment where he was lacking in, a, in an authority figure 
who could sort of challenge him in the way he was living. But because that wasn't there, he continued to live this single life. And not even, you know, the, the joy of the, you know, he talked about that. Like in the early days, everyone thought it was great. I was single, you know, because I had all this freedom and freedom, freedom. You know, he said, but nobody tells me that it's great anymore. Right. Uh, and so that real challenge that there is, an, you know, there's a time and a place uh, for that. But this real need also for him to say, am I meant to be single or am I meant to be married? And I have to make that decision. Uh, right. And I found that he discovers it in being given responsibility. So he finally accepts responsibility for others where his exercise of love and care and, and desiring the good of the other is where all of a sudden he comes to realize, wait a minute here, maybe I have more to that. You know, in a sense, he's living like she's living, like Tia's living, you know, doing whatever he wants. Well, you're a grown man now and you're still doing whatever you want. Right. And maybe you've got the same problem Tia has. There's a quote that I've been praying with. Uh, it's not other people who make problems for you. It's other people who make you aware of your own problems. Mm. Ooh, repeat that. And it's not other people who make problems for you. It's other people who make you aware of your own problems. And I think in a way, Buck and Tia had that relationship happening between the two of them. Mm. Right. And he has Peter Pan syndrome doesn't want to grow up and he's trying to tell her to grow up. <laughs> right. And she's the mirror or he's trying, he's trying to keep her from going down the same path. He went down like this real question of, you know, if someone would, would have, you know, and you, you, you can, woulda, shoulda, coulda, but this real question, he cared more about Tia in a real way and was willing to do what needed to be done uh, for her sake, you know? And so he looked out for, her, um, you know, but that's hard, you know, because not everybody sees it a as a good thing, you know? And I think that's the challenge of teenage. Like how do you help get teenagers through those years where they're going to be feeling that everyone's against me, nobody lets me do what I want. And, the rebellion and how do you not make it a, a, a complete disaster? <laughs> <laughs> when you figure it out, Father Paul, let me know. Cause I'm All still right. working on it after two decades in education. Right. Uh, but number one, people need to know that they're loved. And I think at the heart of the whole thing, uh, it was a story of love and commitment. So with that, we're wrapping up our first half hour of Rutten Radio. The movie of the month was Uncle Buck. We'll take this quick break. We'll be right back. Support our sponsors. See you on the flip side. And we're back to Rutten Radio on Real Presence Network. We are the Rutten Brothers coming at you, not live, but it always feels live to us, <laughs> for the month of May. And in the second half hour here, we'll have a conversation around uh, mothers a little bit. And uh, before we get to that, though, we always like to give some shout outs and we like to play some games and... Uh, Father John, at some point, will have a quote that will kick us off with our content for the second half hour. But first up, I think we should play. Do the priests have the rosary on them? What is the deal do this the every month? Got your rosary, fellas? John, that's like old school. That's like that's so, like the plastic rosary is. 
you got all right. You know, that's so. So, do you guys have a favorite rosary that you no use, or do you just have like twelve hundred um, of them? I mean, I've had ones that I've liked more than others. Father John, you don't have like I'm surprised, Father John, that you don't have like a special rosary. Um, no, I don't know why. Well, I made a commitment that if anybody, if I ever gave someone a ride, that if they asked me about the rosary, that I would give it to them. So I think I lost all the good ones. All, like John any Paul affection too. you have as you grow. No, I have those. I mean, I have <laughs> rosaries that have been blessed by both all three popes, John Paul II, Benedict, and Pope Francis. But uh, so other than those, you know, I have glow. You have the dark, I give glow in the dark rosaries out to kids a lot. So I, a lot of times I just have a glow in the dark in my hand in my pocket. You have grandpa's rosary. Right? I have grandpa's. Thank right. you. You're welcome. Yes. Um, just make sure that. Stay yep. somewhere in the family. I don't, I don't know who gets it after you, but uh, shout outs. Yeah. Any shout outs? Christopher Foundine. Oh, yes. yes. And Cheryl and John, too. Yep. They are great listeners. Uh, I, what, did he, what did he do for his birthday or something? Or for Easter, I think, maybe. Uh, he put it, he wanted his mom, <laughs> he had his mom put his uh, Rutten Radio sweatshirt on <laughs> for uh, our birthday. I think he's one of a. Uh, Oh, uh-huh. Divine Mercy Sunday. He has the Rutten Radio sh- shirt with the black, you know, the long sleeve oh, black baseball uh, yeah. shirt. Yep. So, yep, shout out. Father Paul. Uh, now Deacon John Eckridge, uh, who is also a faithful listener and one who likes to keep us on our toes. That's outstanding. Yep. And in light of that, once we're finished here, we've got to rate our movie, so... Uh, to oh, see where we right. come down with the movie ratings. And did we ever get our movie ratings? We we got it fixed, but I forgot to bring the book. Oh, righty. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll write it down here. So uh, after this, we'll do our ratings. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, all the first communicants Ooh. and this fantastic, fantastic uh, book that I found for about first communicant ages. And it's Stories of the Saints. Bold and inspiring tales of adventure, grace, and courage. Ooh, nice. And it, they're just fantastic. And then uh, the Odyssey, there's tales from the Odyssey for kids. And so it's like kind of the classical Odyssey sure. type of yep. stories and adventures. And the reason I bring it up is because my eight-year-old boy, Leo, read The Boy Who Would Be, Be King. Oh. And it's by Ryan Holiday, okay. who is a great Stoic philosopher today sure. that's kind of resurrecting Stoicism. And he wrote a fantastic kid's book. And my boy was like, Dad, is this a series? And I'm like, I don't think so. Why? And he was like, oh, man, I want to read some more of these stories. Oh, nice. And I was like, wow, I got to get adventure stories. And so these stories of the saints is just a great, great uh, adventure books, particularly as my boy really loved them. So I'm sure the ladies would get into them well. There's some female and male saints in there. Um, and then I kind of give a shout out. I apologize. I just use every possible means to let everybody know that April was outstanding. And April Fool's Day, I pulled oh, the greatest stunt you in my history, it. my history of April Fool's and joking, joking. I put on Facebook that I was going to be a deacon. <laughs> and I'm still <laughs> correcting people. And it's a joke. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, I cleared it with my wife the morning of, and it just popped into my head. Like, hey, I should tell everybody I'm going to be a deacon for April Fool's. That'd right. be pretty funny. <laughs> and my wife was like, but they'll believe you. And I was like, I know. 
That's why it's going to be great. And I put it on there for about five hours. I just let that thing roll. And I did what you did, John. I just laughed all day long (laughs) at home by myself. And then at about two o'clock, our sister, Laura, said, Joe, would you put an end to this? (laughs) Would you? like? And so I put it out there. But I still go everywhere, and people still think it's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I... I will. I'm not going to be a deacon. April Fools. Uh, did you guys get any? Uh, yeah, or me. <laughs> I'm sitting in the office and I read it and I'm like, I cannot believe my brother never told me. <laughs> I can't believe my twin brother never gave me a hint, never gave me an indication, and he never told me. I was in the office. I went down the hallway to the other staff members. I'm like, you guys, my brother's going to be a deacon. <laughs> I, he never told me. And then I took our prayer card that Deacon John Devlin just had made, and John you're in the middle. And so I took the 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 little collar and I made a deacon stole on oh. your image with us having the priest stoles. And I'm handing out, I put it on the family uh, text chain. <laughs> and then I call you to be like, Joe, what'd you do? And you're like, I'm just kidding. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been fooled like that. That is great. Was there any bit of anger or was there was it all fun? <laughs> no, no anger, but I really did think like this is gonna be very hard to clean up. That's funny. And it actually may never be cleaned up because you may be duped by God and we might have the last laugh someday. <laughs> because most people that I've said when I've said, oh, that's not true, they're like well, it makes a lot of sense. Well, <laughs> I did my research. Happen. I did my research. Deacons in this diocese cannot have responsibles at home. Yes, they can. Yes. Deacon Nick Bouse. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, on to the next. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we better get. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. Uncle Buck. Let's have a conversation as we follow up our yeah, movie I was of the just, month and uh, vote on. Let's vote. Oh, yeah. Do we, we want to vote, vote first yep. on Uncle Buck? Out of three stars, each of us gives a star, and then we'll find out what our ratings come down to. I'm going to let you guys go first because I think you're going to be shocked. Can we go in the middle? Can I'm we on. go a half? Yeah, no. you can do quarters. Can do whatever you want. Okay. I'm going to use a calculator okay. this time. I'm going to do uh, one and a half stars. Wow. I mean, two stars means you're like two-thirds of the way there, so I think I got to go one and a half. Maybe one and three quarters. I'm going to do one and three quarters. Uh, I'm going to do just a straight up two because it's easy. I'm going to do one and a half. I didn't really like it. I'm going to do one and a quarter. Father Paul's like, you did two, Paul? Yes. I didn't not like it. I just thought it showed its age and I just. 1.67. One. Point six seven. All right. Yeah, I was. I think yeah. interestingly, we all came to the yeah, same. Yeah, we kind of were about the same. You know, it was got right, but it wasn't like anything to write home about. If I was in prison and I had like five movies, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't pick that one as one of my movies. Let's move on and have a conversation about Mary, our mother, May, the month of mothers, and have a little conversation around the vocation of motherhood. So. With that, I think, Father John, you might kick it off for us here. 
Uh, yeah, I was, conversation. Um, well, and it actually won't be on mothers. <laughs> no, <laughs> because I, you weren't paying attention when Paul and I were planning the transition. <laughs> so, well, uh, the the thing that strikes me about Uncle Buck is that single people do have a particular place in the cult in the world and in the life of the family. And sometimes it can feel like if you're the single person, you're like the one left out, or oh, like sure. there isn't a place for you. But this book, The Courage to Be Chased from Father Benedict Groeschel, is super helpful. Oh, yeah. uh, it was given to me when I was entering seminary. And he has a great little example. He says, the single person should realize the need to give a bit more. Don't resent this or you will never be able to do it. You must go the extra mile, especially in relationships with married friends and family. You must be the one to give a little more. And it says, let's give an example of an annual family picnic approaching mothers and daughters preparing large platters of food. The single person can more easily bring some delicacy or special cake or wine. There's little difference between the contributions in terms of labor and ingredients, but the cash outlay is more for the single person. And I just think about the ways in which that really is true, and you can bring special surprises. I think it's why I am such a fan of CH Patisserie, because I know most people can't go buy a $12 box of, of treats or a $6.5 delicacy, uh, but it's something I can do. And so I could go buy those and bring them to mom or bring them over to people's houses and things and treat them because I have a little more extra income mm -hmm. than the person who's married uh, and so then this recognition that when you do this, he goes on and he says, this, then you become the difference between uncle Ed, who was a quiet old bachelor. He was only 56 when he died and uncle Mike, whom everybody loved and who sent everybody a birthday card. And he never seemed to grow old. And the gift that one brings when they have the ability to live that way. Uh, so it was just, uh, recognition of the single vocation in a way that they have a part to play in people's right. lives in the church. But every single person, like every married person, has a mother. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. And so, Mother's Day. Mary, our spiritual mother, uh, our own mothers, and the month of May. So we just thought here we'd have a little conversation about motherhood. Paul, you want to kick it off? Do you want to have a con you want to uh, kind of touch on yet sure. a, a quote or or a piece from one of the church documents that talks yeah. about the dignity of women? So back in 1988, so right before Uncle Buck, uh, Saint John Paul the Great wrote what's called Mulieris Dignitatum, uh, the dignity of the woman, um, and in there he talks about motherhood implies from the beginning a special openness to the new person, and this is precisely the woman's part. And this openness in conceiving and giving birth to a child, the woman discovers herself through a sincere gift of self. The gift of interior readiness to accept the child and bring it into the world is linked to the marriage union, which, as mentioned earlier, should constitute a special moment in the mutual self-giving both by the woman and the man. Um, and so again, this, this you know, I've said it before, you know, um, to create life. Like to have a child literally growing inside you, like how amazing, uh, you know. And and our mother had had read the the prayer, the the whatever quote from Cardinal Joseph Mainzenzi, um, or however you say that. Uh, the most important person on earth is a mother. She cannot claim the honor of having built Notre Dame Cathedral. She need not. She has built something more magnificent than any cathedral. 
a dwelling for an immortal soul, the tiny perfection of her baby's body. The angels have not been blessed with such a grace. They cannot share in God's creative miracle to bring new saints to heaven. Only a human mother can. Mothers are closer to God, the creator, than any other creature. God joins forces with mothers in performing this act of creation. What on God's good earth is more glorious than this to be a mother? Bam. Someone say mic drop. Right. Right. But I don't think that that's what we think of. Like, I don't feel like that's the culture. I don't feel like even sometimes the church like holds that up in a way that really helps mothers. Cause it's hard, right? Like it's really hard to be a mother. Right. And we live in an age, which also, you know, injustice, I think provides women an opportunity toward um, a professional life as well. It's not a traditional role that it's like, mm-hmm. well, the lady stays at home and takes care of the family and the guy goes to work and earns the wage and that's how you know traditional families can operate and so in light of that um i think that that role of motherhood and the role of the the woman in bringing a child into the world in a sense is it possible that in society we've kind of made the professional opportunity co-equal or, you know, that, that, I don't know. I just, I do think that in some ways it's like the idea of the, the mother of motherhood is, is sometimes seen secondarily now and not as a primary responsibility or role that women have in society, but maybe it's like another one of the things that they can do. They can have jobs or work, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm, I value the opportunity for women, just like my wife to contribute professionally, right? She finds great meaning and she's unbelievable at it. And I don't want to keep her at home, but I also would say that her primary responsibility and role as a mother, she would say is way more important than right. what she does every day when she goes to the hospital. Um, but I don't know that that's necessarily the, the perspective that we have in Western society today. And I think that's because we don't have a Christian perspective today any longer of what the family is or of what who women and men are in our vocations and callings. And maybe that's even seeped into the church a little yeah, bit and too. I, and I, I think that would be somewhat true. And you almost can't understand it until you see it. I remember, uh, as a as a priest, you begin to see different parts of the church interact with each other. You know, when you go to seminary, you kind of know similar people, or when you grow up, mm-hmm. you know similar people. But once you become a pastor, you realize like there's a broad range of people. And the thing that really I think opens up the church's understanding of the role of the mother uh, is when you see a mother doing Christian motherhood and the sacrifice that it is, but the joy that it is and to see the ways in which their children respond to them and the way in which grace is required to do those things. Um, it, it's easy to just say it. And then you can think, oh, I don't think that's the right way or it should be like this or that. But when you see it, you think, oh yeah, someone's, every child has to be raised somehow. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the fact, that's the starting point is every new child in this world has to become a mature adult. How does that happen 
lots of people have different opinions about now. The church would say that the mother and the father are the primary means par excellence about that and that they can't do that um, without each taking their roles and having a Christian community that enlivens them and generates them and saves them, the church. And in light of a society which maybe isn't Christian, isn't excited about the Christian proposal, uh, I I think sometimes that vision or perspective gets washed out. I don't know that we necessarily are always raised with that as a preeminent perspective for Christians, but that sometimes the Christian proposal can be very secular and that it treats motherhood just as another thing instead of something more sacred or, I mean, look at how we can, look at how we can have a children now. We barely even need people to have children anymore. You know, so this kind of takes us on a whole new, or even the, the, the role of a woman in raising children. I don't know that the broader culture is beginning to think that a woman is even necessary. It's just two loving people is all you need. Mm-hmm. So you know, what is what is uh, the role of the mother? Well, you're the priests. Let's ask you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I asked the question. <laughs> well, I think that, right, that what, what John Paul II says right here— um, in, in that for the woman's part, uh, it's a special openness to the new person. Mm-hmm. Conceiving and giving birth to the child, the woman discovers herself through a sincere gift of self, uh, that there is a role of, of, you know, the interior life. There is a role mm-hmm. of nurturing. And I mean, I just can't, I just can't even fathom what it's like, like Paul said, to have this thing growing in you, this person like... This nur- I, I look at it like a uh, you know a nurturing a uh, um, an incubator like like that that this place of nurture and comfort and and a source of life like for all purposes the guy does have some role in this but for nine months he doesn't do a lot but let the 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 nurturing take place inside yeah. the woman so this place of nurturing and nourishment, fostering the growth and the protection, right, of, of this new life. So what is the role of, of a woman or a mother? I would propose, like, you know, jump as nurturer, that they're a nurturer to this new life. Um, I find it fascinating how it's in that act of nurturing and openness that they discover themselves, you know, and, and it's, wow, and I'll tell you, my wife, my children are more important to my wife than I am. Mm-hmm. 100%. She's actually told me that before. <laughs> it wasn't a good day for me. She was yeah. like, you know. But just that idea that says that there is a place in which the mother enters into the relationship with the child, that she is the source of their life and, and nurtures them in a unique way that I will never know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that there's the, obviously these, Terms and things can be applied in different ways, but it, but a mother is one who is receptive by nature of her body and by nature of her her soul. The way that they are is there, and this is why they often have a developed spiritual life sooner than a male, is because the life of with God is one that's receptive, is to receive gift, 
And the woman already is created in a way in which she understands I am made to receive gift. Oh, I mm-hmm. am receptive. Like right. in me, my body tells me I'm receptive and my soul is like receptive. And so I not only receive from the man, but then I receive this gift of a child. And then once the child's born in the world, I continue to receive from them. But this is also every male, every gift that man and woman have has to be purified and adjusted and grow. But it's also why it's hardest for the mother to let her children become their own. Because the mother can have a tendency to want to keep her children and nurture them to their disadvantage. Because then the child doesn't become their own child person, they are continually a reference to the mother in a way. Uh, So there's a need to like, that's the, it's it's not often in university that we see the father struggling to let go of their child on freshman freshman orientation day. Right. Yeah. It's usually mom. Go into every the, kindergarten classroom on the first day of school right. and you're not right. going to see dads crying. <laughs> no. You know, you might see one or two. I mean, <laughs> things like this are, are fluid in a certain way, but, you know, it's moms yeah, yeah, right. that have they, this. There's a, there's a famous story up at St. Thomas of uh, the orientation where uh, the, they had to do something different because they found out that they had a mom that moved into the son's dorm for up to two weeks before they realized, like, uh, ma'am, <laughs> no you way. can't live here. <laughs> you know, you need to. No way. I oh, don't dude, believe orient- it. Freshman orientation <laughs> is strictly like thought about in reference to the separation of the child from the parent. There yeah. is that was 100% a part wow. of a thought process because it's real. Yeah. There is a human dynamic at yeah. play there. And, and, that's not, not, and that's the beauty of the mother is the, the mother in a way has this gift given to her. Uh, and it's why every child, I mean, you have these memories. I mean, we have great memories of dad, but it's your mom who. I recall dad dropping my bags off out front of Kramer Hall at Northern State. That's what I remember. <laughs> He's like, all right, here we go. Yep. yep. It's going to be a great year, you know. Uh, I don't even know if he said, call if you need anything. <laughs> no. It was like, yeah. enjoy, good luck. We even saw at St. Mary with COVID, we can't let the parents in. And so the first day of school, the parents had to literally leave their kid at the door. They couldn't walk him to the classroom. They couldn't go in. And it was one of the best things for everyone. Mm. Because it just forced this separation at that moment. And the kid had to make it his way or her way down the hall and find the classroom on their own. Uh, and the parent had to let go, whereas normally they'd walk them all the way down. They'd cry a little bit. They'd help them put their bag up, all these things. And we're like, no, you've got to let go. All right. Um, and, and John Paul Du does speak of, of that challenge, as you mentioned earlier, Joe, um, that because woman is made for children, her natural disposition is towards her children. And so once... She has children. She has what she wants. And so in one sense, there is this sort of disconnect from the husband. And the husband's like, how do I get rid of these children? Because I want my wife back. (laughs) And so it's this just natural, just tension. And both have to just work through those things Hmm. uh, in in the middle of it. Right. My, my, one of my mentors uh, always says, Joe, you have to be intentional about date night with your wife. Right. And that, it, like, no, as a husband, you need to make sure that you stay in relationship yeah. with her because yep. you could drift. Um, you know, this half hour just flew by. And as we kind of wind down the back end here of Rutten Radio in May, we're talking about mothers. We're grateful for our mothers, uh, for Monica, for our mother who's uh, with us in spirit. Um, 
Yeah, I just look at like the priority of loves is what I really look at with my wife and what she's teaching me as a mother is that there are things that she loves and she just prioritizes them. Mm. And that for her, she can be a, a person that is in a, a marriage that she loves a spouse. She can also love her children and that her children became first and I became second. Uh, and maybe that flips at some point and we get a come, but that this idea that says there's ordered loves um, and that her professional life is a love of hers. She loves what she's doing. She loves contributing, but it's an ordered love. Mm. It's a love that has a perspective of the whole. And in light of that, she gets to invest but it does at times get difficult where she feels like there's a lot on the mm -hmm. plate for mothers. And so this Mother's Day, why don't we offer up a prayer and remember him as we wind down this hour of Rutten Radio. Amen. Amen. It's been a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. All righty. Well, we always end with the family prayer. Yeah. And we got new family prayer cards. Yeah. They're awesome. So if you know any of us and you'd like one, let us know. Yeah. If you come across this, I keep them in my bag and I keep them in my car and I keep them at the office. We'll give them out. Great. Let us close with the family prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our, Our Father, Father, we, we thank, thank you for, for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share it with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, pray, pray for us. us. Blessed Mother, pray, pray for us. us. We'll catch you next month right here at Rutten Radio.